Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Friday, September 1st. Welcome to September, everybody, 2023, and welcome to another edition of Heck of a Morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hi, everybody. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having just the best week ever. Hopefully, the weather is not as hot and gross where you're at. Hopefully... Things are starting to cool down and you're feeling nice. Here in the United States, it's the kickoff of a long weekend. But not for the UFC. They're in Paris, France, for UFC Paris going down tomorrow. Early day MMA, everybody. Early day MMA, just the way we like it. I believe, let me just double check, make sure I'm not full of crapola. The first fight starts at 1230, uh, and that is the truth. 1230 p.m. Eastern time for UFC Paris, 3 p.m. main card. One, two, three, four, five, six fight main card. We'll be wrapped and packed by like 6 p.m. Eastern. You got the whole night ahead of you, and that's the way we like it. It's the go-home show for UFC 293 which we'll see Israel Adesanya defend the middleweight title against Sean Strickland. That card has 12 fights, not the best pay-per-view card of all time, but a main event that I think will build up in anticipation as the days go by. But we're here to talk about whatever the hell you want, ladies and gentlemen. It's Friday. We can talk about UFC Paris. We can talk about the fact that all the fighters made weight. Cyril Gaon waited at 250. Sergey Spivak... 256. Manon Fioro, 125. Rose Namajunas, 125. She looked pretty damn good on the scale. Everybody made weight. No issues. We had a, a, almost an issue. Z- Zara Fiern weighed in a half pound over on her first attempt for her 140 pound catchweight fight with Jacqueline Cavalcante. Stepped in on her second attempt, made weight. So 100% success rate. We are good to go. It's free for all Friday. We can talk about whatever the hell you want. So let's go. Brian, kick us off on this free for all Friday. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks. I just had a quick question about the uh, main or actually the co-main event. Uh, Do you think that Rose is going to like fill into her 125 frame? Because she's like definitely put on some muscle. That's for sure. And I feel like Rose is really dangerous when she wants to come back and like 
there was a really a good exit for her to kind of just like not really fight again if she didn't really want to. And I think this is going to be like kind of the nastiest thug rose we might see in a while. Do you think like she could actually kind of make that run up with like the Blanche Fields um, and just take out uh, Manon tomorrow night? Just curious about that. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, she looked really good on the scale. I remember when this whole 125 thing came into motion, uh, I'd spoken to her and she said she wasn't even thinking about fighting. This is probably August, September-ish of last year. And she said she wasn't even focused on fighting. She wanted to do some some grappling competitions, some jiu-jitsu matches just to like do it because she's always wanted to. But the thing she wanted to do most was she wanted to lift weights. She wanted to do some power lifting. She wanted to put on some muscle. And she certainly looks like she did that. Uh, she looked real good at 125. She's still going to be a little bit undersized compared to Man and Fioro. But you're right. Rose isn't going to fight unless she's motivated to do so. She could – like she's talked about a million times, she could just hang out on the farm and be a farmer and be totally happy with that and just train on the side and exercise and work out and power lift and she'd be as happy as can be. She doesn't need to fight. But she's doing this for a reason. She's doing this for a reason. I think she wants new challenges. I know that that Valentina Shevchenko fight is something that she would love to have at some point in her career, not because it's like animosity just because she wants that challenge. So this is a good step. This is a good step. I think from a betting perspective, unless you're going to like prop at Man and Fiora to like win by decision, I think all of the money line value in this fight is on Rose. You're giving me like plus 165 against anybody? I'm probably, I think that's worth taking a look at. I think a lot of people are looking at the size discrepancy and I don't think it's going to be too, too much. But, I mean, unless Manon just creams her, I, I feel like Rose is a really good chance to win this fight. Now, have we seen Manon wrestle and have success there? Sure. But does she want to play with fire? Because Rose is sneaky, sneaky, sneaky on the ground and off of her back. So it's a really interesting fight. And, yes, I see a comment. Valentina and Rose have trained together before. Yes. But that doesn't mean that's not a fight that Rose would like to have. And if she wins this fight and Valentina beats Alexa Grasso, the UFC is immediately going to pivot to that fight. What do you think Rose is going to say? No. Of course she's got to take that fight. That's a legacy fight if there ever was one for Rose Namajunas. So big spot for her. Let's see if she can come through. If she wins, she's getting a title shot. Stinks for Aaron Blanchfield. If she loses, that's where things can get real interesting. So... We'll see what happens. I like the fight. It's it's the most interesting fight of the weekend. It's way more interesting than the main event to me. But we'll see how it plays out tomorrow in Paris, France. Uh, Abzwalia, hello. Oh, how are you doing? How are you? Good, good. good man. Yeah, so uh, just got a few things I'd like to address. Um, I'll start with the heavyweight division. You know, as we know, we have a very beautiful main event for the France card, Spivak and uh, Garn. Um, I, I guess, hypothetically, I wouldn't speak on Spivak, Spivak's case if he were to win on um, Saturday because we know he's a close contender for the title shot down the line. But in Garn's case, 
if he were to win this fight in convincing fashion, what what would be next for him? Because obviously, he's not going to get a title shot anytime soon. He's forfeited twice. If John Jones and Stipe retire by November, we know that it's most likely Aspinall and Pavlovich are going to fight for the vacant title eventually. So, do you, could you see Garn maybe fighting Almeida if Almeida were to win against Curtis Blade down the line? Like the winner of that fight, I should say. Um, let me know that. And the second thing I just want to address, actually, this is a little bit more about uh, basically the topic about star power in the UFC. Like, this is just my opinion. Like, recently seeing how Sean O'Malley winning the title and, you know, becoming, I guess, an actual true star for the UFC and, in a way, saving the UFC's ass from probably lacking a star. I would like to address this. Um, I've seen a lot of the journalists, some of the fighters, and just even Dana White, like, you know, and even fans, just how they like to limit the idea that the UFC can't grow bigger than over the years, you know, and even just the fact that there are certain fighters who are built for their superstardom and success. As much as they can also be great athletes, I don't just say they can be a star within the sports of the combat world, combat sport world alone. Like, they can actually be true global megastars that, as famous as some of the other biggest um, athletes that other sport fans are now in the world, or even, you know, famous musicians and actors. And I think the UFC have not uh, exactly given, like Dana White in particular, has not really given a great platform to encourage some of his biggest fighters to do that outside, maybe Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey from in, in the past as far as I know. But hopefully we, we can see that maybe changing a little bit. It also, I think, comes down to some of the fighters because from what I can see, Sean O'Malley, he does care about being famous and there's nothing wrong with that. But he also knows he's how marketable he is. And when you look at someone like Hamza, who I think has the, who is the closest thing we have to call in terms of that raw star power and, you know, seeing how people actually want to watch him, he doesn't quite... He embraces the fame, but I guess he doesn't care too much to the point where he wants to be, like, flowing watches and shit. But, you know, I think the UFC definitely should um, care about their star fighters more because they do make the biggest money in the day, and I think they truly bring every type of fan, hardcore, casual, and new fans. And seeing as how the sport's growing more global, seeing as how more people get into mixed martial arts, I think it would be really good to see them take um, a page of book from, you know, other sports like F1, Tennis, you know, soccer, um, golf, basketball, you know, these are like the NBA, the PGA, you know, all these big leagues that have created global stars. I would like to see UFC do the same because we can see MMA fighters do other things like maybe their interest into fashion. They could become, you know, as successful as Pharrell Williams or Kanye did in the sense like they did for hip hop or like we can see more MMA fighters who might be solid at acting do that. You know, that, that's just my view. You know, let me know your thoughts on that. Have a good day. Thanks, man. Um, so I'll start the heavyweight question. I feel like the winner of this fight is going to fight Tom Aspinall next. And As from what I understand, Aspinall is going to be in London. He may already be there. Uh, but he said after his London win, I'm going to Paris. I'm sitting cage side for that zero gun Sergey Spivak fight. I'm going to get in the cage. And I'm going to fight the winner. And I think the UFC is going to give him that. And I'd be stunned if Tom Aspinall doesn't get into the octagon in some way, shape, or form with whoever wins that fight. And, like, everyone's just throwing Tom Aspinall into this title fight. And, like, I get it. Like, dude's real good. 
but he's also just he put a whooping on Marcin Tybora in a stylistic dream fight for him. Dude was on a long layoff. They put him in a hometown fight against a very winnable opponent, very beatable opponent from a stylistic perspective, and he did that. I'm not ready to throw Tom into a title fight yet. I'm not. I'm. His ceiling is really high, and I'm excited to see if he could reach it, but I'm not 100% sold on him yet. So I think if he fights a Cyril Ghana or a Sergei Spivak and is, is able to do what he did to Marcin Tybora, I mean, he beat Spivak already, but if he fights Cyril Ghana, just ices him in round one like that is, he's ready. Dude's ready to go. I think the jail that all made, this is all going to depend on what happens November 4th. Because I feel like John and Stipe, John's going to win. Stipe's going to retire. John's probably, I don't know if he's going to retire, but he's going to take a hiatus, I would assume. And wait to see if anybody can emerge as a potential star, which is your second point. I'll get to that in a second. So if Jailton beats Curtis Blades, they're going to do Sergey versus Jailton for the vacant title. Like nothing, like anything besides that doesn't make any sense at all. So they'll do that. And then we'll kind of see how the rest plays out. They'll do Asphodel versus Gon, perhaps. And if Gon wins, and the winner will fight the winner of that. And then we'll see what can happen with John if he wants to come back and find himself an immediate title fight. So heavyweight's kind of a mess with this 295 main event, but it's also kind of interesting at the same time because you're seeing all these new names climb up the ranks and get on nice runs. So as far as the star thing goes, like, look, we have to understand something. Outside of our bubble here, MMA is a baby. MMA is a baby. Very rarely does a UFC card or a UFC fighter pass, like what Jed Mishu likes to call the mom test. Like, very rarely do I get text messages from friends that are like, Hey, man, so excited for this Aljamain Sterling-Henry Cejudo fight. That never happens. And then I'll have friends who will text me like, oh, what do you think is going to happen with Jake Paul and Nate Diaz? Like that weirdness somehow passes the mom test. Sean O'Malley is kind of getting there. Connor is obviously passing the mom test. Ronda Rousey obviously passing the mom test. Brock Lesnar passed the mom test. But we have to understand that it is very difficult to cross over into a mainstream sporting atmosphere. It's very difficult, especially in a sport as sort of lowbrow as MMA. It's still a baby. Very it, As much as we think the UFC is massive, and it is in our world, compared to the other entities you named, F1, tennis, WTA, PGA, NBA, UFC in, in any organization in combat sports is nowhere near them. Nowhere near them. Like the distance between the UFC and everybody else in MMA, like multiply that by five. And that's where like the NBA and all these other sports are compared to where the UFC is right now. And the UFC has been very successful and they're printing money hand over fist. But when it comes to people knowing who these fighters are and knowing that what this sport actually is, it's so far away from those other sports. So there is a path for this, but the fighters who have found success 
Yes, they've had promotional push, but in most cases, they have established themselves outside of the sport before they even got to the UFC. Ronda Rousey was already a pretty big star before she became the first UFC women's champion. Brock Lesnar was a huge star in amateur wrestling, huge star in pro wrestling before he came over. Connor did it himself. This is the UFC put the push behind him. They gave him the right fights. They put him in the right scenarios, and Connor just ran with it. Connor is a unicorn. He's a unicorn. Sean O'Malley can get there. It's just a matter of like, how do you want to do it? Like, Max Holloway is a, when we think about crossover stars, like, Max Holloway is a pretty big star outside of the UFC. He's into the gaming. A lot of people that, like, there are people I work out with who know Max Holloway more from his video gaming and his streaming than him as a fighter. I've had people say to me, like, oh, that, that Max Holloway guy's a fighter? Oh, I thought he was just a video game streamer. I love that guy. Max is doing a great job. It's just so tough, man. Like, the promotion can only do so much for you. They can put you in these situations, but you got to do it yourself. you got to get out there and do it. And Sean does it. Sean at least goes out there and does it. He's out doing his pod. He's got multiple podcasts, hanging out with the Nelk boys. Like, those guys are getting them over and helping. And Sean knows what to do in that, those situations. He's got Snoop rant, ranting about him. He's got all these celebrities talking about him, like, it's just a matter of like getting there and not everybody has that. Not everybody has that. There's, there's five tool players. Like I talk about, we talk about wrestling, like MJF is a five tool player. Dude can wrestle, looks good in great shape. He's an athlete. Dude can talk his ass off. That dude is money. And there are very few MMA fighters who have all of that, who can do it all who can fight their ass off, can talk, can sell, can advocate for the promotion. There aren't a lot of them. There just aren't a lot. It's not in their DNA. Not saying that there aren't any out there. There are people that I've spoken to who are on the come up who can be those people. Like it's taken, Volkanovski's like the best fighter in the world. And even he is not like a massive star right now. He's getting there, but he's, what's Volk, like a tier two at best Star for the UFC, and he's the best fighter in the world. At worst, the second best fighter in the world. It's just, it's very tough. John Jones is, is a guy who is getting the rub. Like Dana is giving him the rub now more than he ever has. He, like when John was getting in trouble and he was taking all that time off, was Dana calling him the best fighter in the world? No. But Dana also understood that fans wanted John back. And when he came back, there was so much buzz for that card, and John just wrecked Cyril Gunn so fast. He had no choice but to give in. And now everything he says about John, unless he's joking about like him going out in Vegas for a night, is just he's the best ever. He's the greatest ever. Dana is who he is, so you can't rely on Dana to do it, is what I'm saying. It just The sport just isn't as big as, like, it's just not as big as people think it is that are in this bubble. It's big, and the UFC has done an incredible job. But go to the grocery store. Go to the grocery store and be like, hey, you excited to watch Cyril Gaon fight Sergey Spivak tonight? Just walk up to 20 different people. And if you could find one or two people that are like, 
don't look at you like you're absolutely insane, then you got something. But if I went to the grocery right now and, and asked 20 people who Sean O'Malley was, I might get like five or six. If I asked 20 people who Conor McGregor was, they'd all know. It's just, it's very tough in this sport. Very, very tough. Boxing's the same way. There, how many mega stars are in boxing? Not a ton. CV, hello. All right. Nothing from CV. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. How about coal? Oh, yeah. Mike. Yep, I got you. All right. Uh, well, college football starting this week. I just want to know, since it's spring for all Friday, like when it comes to tailgating, what are your like? What's your ideal tailgate looking like? What's your favorite light beer? What's on the grill? Who's your Who's your team? That's all I got, man. Have a hell of a weekend. Stay cool. The tailgate. I'm uh. Pretty pretty lax when it comes to that shit. Uh, I'll eat pretty much anything that's cooked on the grill. I'm a classic burgers and dogs guy, but you know there's some people who really do it up and they do the the pulled pork and they do the chicken and the steaks and all that good stuff. And kudos to all of them, it's awesome. Uh, but I'm down for whatever. Um, in a tailgate situation, I'm not a snob when it comes to food and or bevies, so I'm I'm, I'm pretty good either way. If I'm tailgating, I'm probably going to drink a light beer, Miller Lite, probably my go-to, maybe a, bub, a couple of Bud Lights. Uh, if I'm sitting at the bar, that's not my first choice. I'm not a huge drinker anyways, but those situations, you know, I'll drink a couple of Bud Lights. As far as teams go, it's so weird, man. Like, when you come from Boston, there's just not a lot of college football there. Like, it is, if you go, like, I'm in South Carolina now, it is, like, it's fucking college football craziness down here. Like every house in my neighborhood has some sort of flag or some sort of emblem in front of their house during college football season, whether it's South Carolina or Clemson or, you know, I, there's a lot of, apparently there's a lot of Ohio state fans down here. There's, they just love their college football. Like I've spent some time in Dallas and like people love their college football down here. I, went, I remember going to this place when I was visiting my family in Dallas. We went to this piano bar outside, just outside of Dallas. And people were like giving, were tipping the piano players, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of dollars so that 
they would play their alma mater's fight song like they were at a football game. And I'm just like, man, these piano players are like brilliant. Let's have like the Oklahoma fans like try to outbid the UT fans. And let's have like the SMU fans try to outbid the TCU fans. Like it's insane. It's insane. So like the only college football, like the only college football team like anyone really cared about locally was BC because they're really like they're the, they were the only like actual like legit D1 program for college football. Like UMass I think was 1AA for a minute. They might be one now. Like BU doesn't have a team. Like there's just not a lot of teams. Like most of them are like two or three like D2 D3 teams. Uh like obviously Harvard is is a big one and all that, but I was always like a Notre Dame guy for some reason. Maybe it's just the household and the Irish heritage and all that stuff. Like my mom, my mother's maiden name is McGrath. So we all wore the shamrocks. So I guess like Notre Dame is probably like the only team that I like really watch at this point. But I guess that's like a, like a good thing. So I can just sit down and watch a, watch a day of college football on Saturday and just, just watch it. And it's fun as hell. I, it's, it's so good. It's so good, especially when it gets when we get to like the conference championships and we get into the bowl season, we get into the national championship stuff. Man, it's so fun. It's so fun. Now Jed, like Jed Mishu is like he he went to Georgia. Connor GC went to Georgia. So those two have experienced those things much more than I have. I've been to a couple BC Notre Dame games. Been to like a couple UMass games. Like the one I went to two college football games in my life. Like outside of those that were like, what the hell is going on here? One, I went to, I don't remember who they were playing. Um, but I went to a Texas A&M game. And I remember like the kickoff happened and I sat down like I was at a Patriots game. And I thought these people were going to murder me because I sat down and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm sitting down and they're like, get your ass up. We don't sit down here. I'm like, okay. Did not know that. Uh, and then the other game I went to is like one of the kickoff games. It was Ohio state versus the university of Texas in Austin. And it was insane. It was nuts. I was like, this is crazy. Cause this is, this is a culture shock to me. Cause I've just never experienced such passion for a college football team. And it was nuts. People were like fighting everywhere. And I talked about this, like I would go to the Texas state fair and like two of the times I would go there with like my cousin and stuff. It was like when the UT Oklahoma games are happening and it was just like, people were just fighting all over the place. I'm like, you guys are idiots. You guys are morons. And like, we would go out like the night before or whatever to like a restaurant or something. And it was just like Texas and OU students just like fighting in the streets. You guys are insane for no reason. Just because they're like they're they're wearing. Oh, you're an Oklahoma fan. Fuck you. Bam, and they're just fighting in the street. It's wild, absolutely insane. But yeah, if you're down south, you get it more than the people up north. That's for sure. CV, are you there? Oh, CV, I don't know what's happening, buddy. Uh, how about Druzy Quattro? Hey, Mike, can you hear me? I got gotcha. you. How are you? I'm doing all right. So, uh, 
I just wanted to jump in coming off the back of Holloway Zombie. I totally get Taporia versus Volk is next. I'm fine with it. I'm looking forward to it. I just want to say that I think I would find Taporia Volk more compelling if Taporia beat Holloway. Because this is going back to 290. I think if the Volk that beat Yair shows up, he runs through Taporia. So just your thoughts on that. If they're going to do that, they would have done it. They would have already done it. What's the point of booking? Like, I understand, like, Holloway Zombie and all that. But what's the point of even booking that fight if, you know what I mean? Like, why book Taporia versus Emmett? Or, like, just go right to that. But they didn't. And now Taporia looks like the dude. And he's young. And him fighting Vulcan losing is not the end of the world right now. Just let him see what he can do. You talk about stars. You talk about potential stars like Ilya Taporia. He's got it. He's got it all. Dude, dresses like a Billy. He looks like a star. He oozes it. Dude can talk. He's an interesting cat. Dude can fight. He's got it. And he's in a place where like the UFC has, never, has not been to. So he could be another global, he could be another big regional star for them. Just give him the shot. Him fighting, like, if he fights Max now, this division gets delayed big time. Because Max, Max isn't a dude that's going to fight like, I mean, he's fought a couple of times this year, but Max is not a dude that fights like every two or three months. Like, he's not a four fight a year guy. And Max and Zombie, kind of beat the hell out of each other it was it didn't last long but they beat the hell out of each other max going through a whole lot emotionally right now with everything going on in maui you would have to book that fight by like november and then they would have to be ready to turn around by february to fight volk i just think it's so risky and what if and what if max wins what if max wins then what do you do then volk's got nobody to fight because we're not doing the Volk. We're not doing number four. No one's hankering for that. Now, if Ilya loses, if Ilya loses to Volk, then you could do Holloway versus Taporia. And guess what? What if Ilya wins? What if Ilya wins? Holloway can get another fight if he wants one, or he could just chill. Volk, if he wants the rematch, can get it. If Volk wants to take some time off, then you could do Taporia versus Max for the title. And then you still have it. It's a great fight. I'm not knocking the fight. But I just feel like we just saw this with, with we just saw this with Arnold Allen. I hated that fight. Hated it. Not because I thought it was a bad matchup, but because Arnold Allen was like on his way up. And you had, like, a chance here. Like, it, if you wanted to get Arnold one more win, you could throw them in there with anybody else, but you threw him in there with Max. And now what? Like, we haven't seen – we don't even know what he's doing now. So, I understand, like – I just think there's so many better options for Max. Like, I think Max – if Alger's going to go to 145, Holloway versus Aljamain Sterling makes all the sense in the world to me. Let Volk get his title shot. 
Max can still be a litmus test in a very interesting fight with a lot of stakes and storylines attached to it. And then we could still go back to Max versus Ilya. But to do it right now, it doesn't make any sense. To me. But we got to go with the title fight first. Got to go with the title fight first. Like the performance Ilya put on Josh Emmett wasn't enough to make you be like, damn, this guy's real, real good. Pitched a near perfect game against the guy. And he showed like different wrinkles of his game. Showed he can go five rounds and just keep putting it on people. But they should have just went, like, if that was the fight, they should have just went to that right after. They should have just said, no, why, we're not, let's not do the Josh Emmett fight. Let's just do Ilya versus Max. Like, if that was the fight we got last week, fine. And I still wouldn't have been thrilled about it. But once we saw Ilya fight and have that performance against Josh and he got all the buzz that he got, like, and then Max has another fight and Ilya's already, and Volk's already expressed his interest in fighting Ilya. Like, let's just go. Let's just do it. Because you're not going to have Volk for much longer. In multiple ways. I think eventually he's just going to be like, all right, I've done everything I can here. Let's go to 55 full time. And even then, like, how many more, how many more Volkanovsky fights do you think we have? Five? Six at the most? I think he just, dude just wants to fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. And just build that bank account up so he can just be done. He could just say, all right, I'm good. I saved my money wisely. Now I can go cook and do a bunch of stuff outside of the sport, make a whole bunch more money, and be with my family. Folks aren't 25, people. But I really hope they don't do that. Even Dan, like, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting, but I think they're going to go right to the title fight. ZV, hey, can you hear me? Uh, I got perfect. You. There are times of charm. Um, since it's free for all Friday, and I know you guys got the the two ninety three watch party coming up next week, and um, like you guys said, it's an unbelievable card. Um, <laughs> just a suggestion. Um, have you ever have you ever guys thought of um just opening on opening up the lines during the show? Like I know you guys talk a lot already. It's hard. I mean, you guys are opening up like the packs. Um, you guys are playing the UST game, but. Uh, maybe maybe in between fights, just a suggestion. I know it might be difficult, but if you guys can like open up the Twitter spaces lines, you know, maybe like a heck of a night kind of thing in between fights, that would be cool. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, have a great weekend. Thanks, man. Yeah, we're just, there's just no way we could do that. There's just so much going on. Um, could we take a couple questions? Sure. Uh, but I feel like we do a good job getting the peeps involved. Uh, we do the chat bets and all that and we, we do, I think we do a, a, a lot to get people involved. Um, but maybe we could like do some other stuff, but there's no way we could like take it into multiple platforms. And like, it's just, it's just way too much. It's just way too much. We've been like kind of playing around with the idea of not a Twitter spaces per se, but because there's like a whole lot of time. Like when, if you guys are just with us the whole time, like if you watch the watch party and then you jump right to the press conference and then you jump right to the post show, there is like an hour and a half to two hours of time between the time the watch party ends and the post fight show begins because there's just a million questions. And once Dana's up there, everybody has to ask Dana a question, right? 
so we've been kind of like tinkering with the idea of like doing a quick like Q and a reacts like on a different social media, like maybe on TikTok or on Instagram. Like basically when I'm walking back from the wa from the watch party to like where I'm staying that night, like we just do like a live Q and a, just a quick reaction, like 10, 15 minutes to wet the whistle for the, for the post fight show. That's something we're, we're, we're talking about. Um, and maybe we'll try it in one of these next couple, but, it probably won't be on Twitter spaces, but yeah, man, 293 is rough, dude. Look at this. Adesanya Strickland, Tai Tuivasa, Volkov, Justin Taffa, Austin Lane, Tyson Pedro versus the Pleasure Man. I like, you know, Pleasure Man. Minel Cop, Felipe Dos Santos. That's the main card. That's 80 bucks right there, people. Carlos Olberg, Daun Jung. I like that fight. Jack Jenkins, Chepe Mariscal, like that fight. That should be on the main card for sure. Blood Diamond, Charlie Ratke, meh. Shane Young, Gabriel Miranda, meh. Jamie Malarkey. He's fighting John McDessie? Interesting. Nazareth Hackparas, Landon Quinones might be the weirdest fight of the year. That might be the weirdest fight of 2023. Why is this fight on this card? Why is that fight on this card? I don't get it. Landon Quinones like got iced on in the first round of tough. By Jason Knight, 55 seconds. So he's reward. And look, I like, I like Landon a lot. Nice guy. But he gets rewarded with a pay-per-view fight? Poor Austin Hubbard's like probably not even on the roster. He must be pissed. And then Kevin Josette versus Kiefer Crosby. Kiefer Crosby in the UFC. It's just a weird card. Now, to be fair, we were supposed to also get Casey O'Neill, Viviane Araujo. Interesting fight. Manel Cop's supposed to fight Kaikar France. Like that fight too. But boy, this is, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. This is one where I highly recommend save your dough and we'll just watch the watch party with us. Just save your money. Uh, and then we'll, we'll fire right back six weeks after that for 294, which is going to be a much better card. And then we get 295 a few weeks after that. This is, this is Watch Party Central for 293. We'll have a good time. So join us for that. Yikes. Paul Felt is like, this main card's unbelievable. Yeah, what's up for on Hey, Saber? heck of a morning. Uh, speaking of weird matchups, I noticed Vulcan Ozdemir is fighting Bogdan Guskov, or however you say it. Uh, his last five fights, being uh, Vulcan Ozdemir, his last five fights have been against top 15-level competition, and now he's welcoming a newcomer who I've been hearing isn't all that great. If he loses this, is this a situation where he might get cut? Because it seems to be he's been on a little bit of a skid. I believe he's let me check. Yeah, in his last five in his last four, he is one and three. So if he loses this, are they gonna give him another shot or is this it for Vulcan? What do you think, Mike? Probably not. Light heavyweight is not a great division. It's probably it might be the worst in the UFC. It's just not a great division. 
and like look at the top it is an absolute mess so there is value to having a guy who can be real fun to watch like if you want an example of that go rewatch UFC 251 when he fought Yuri that fight was absolutely nuts it was less than 6 minutes but it was crazy town and Vulcan was doing the damn thing in there until he got absolutely annihilated by a right hand from Yuri Brashta. And then his losses are to Magomed Ankalaev, who might be the best light heavyweight in the world, and Nikita Krylov, who's a damn good one. So, and he beats everybody else. Beat Alexander Rakic. His losses were to, look at his losses. Got finished by DC. He got finished by Anthony Smith, who in 2018, that meant... That's a whole different ball game than it is now. Dominic Reyes, which is a super close fight, and Dominic Reyes is about to fight for the title. Knocks out Alila Latifi, who's really tough to finish. I mean, I, I think he's going to be fine. And just to be clear, like he is fighting a newcomer, but he was supposed to fight Azamat Mirzakhanov, and that's a whole different fight right there, so... Let me see what Bogdan's record looks like. Um, he wins a lot, but he's not fighting the best competition in the world. Dude's a finisher. That fight should be a banger. It should be fun, but Vulcan should win. But uh, yeah, if he loses, I don't think he's going to cut. There's value to keeping a guy like that on the roster. To build talent at worst. Uh, go ahead, Four hey, hey, Mike. So, yeah, I was looking at the the pay per view for next week. Definitely putting my money to the side. I'm actually going to treat the UFC Noche card as a pay per view and have people over as a, as opposed to the Adesanya. It's unfortunate because I was really the the fight that I was really looking forward to the most was Kai Carl France versus Manel Cop because I felt like that was going to be you know like the the banger of a card, but um question i want to know is jed mishu gonna be the host for the main event on the watch party just because he kind of put it out there in the ether that he feels like strickland's gonna be able to um get past the adesanya um and then will you put ak lee on the watch party when the pleasure man is uh fighting because i know he that's one of his favorite fighters and then um lastly uh just a little nfl what do you predict your Patriots are going to be looking like this this year? All right. Thanks, Mike. Oh, God. I don't know about the Pats, man. I don't know. They only have one quarterback right now. So, like, you got to – you got to hear what, like, my friends are talking about up north. Like, they, they are convinced that Tom Brady is going to come back, that the, he's going to sign with the Patriots and he's just going to – join the team. I'm like, you guys are fucking insane. Like, it's good to have hope, but that ain't happening. That's not happening. But I don't know. I have no expectation for the Patriots. If they win five games, like, great. If they win ten, that's a bonus. If they somehow sneak into a playoff spot, like, that's a freaking miracle. I don't know what the hell they're doing. So, I'm just going to watch and hope for the best, you know? 
I can't allow myself to get too attached to them. Cause I did that with the Red Sox this year and they're breaking my heart. I'm like, Oh, this is it. Like they're really good. And then they suck. And then, Oh, maybe I was wrong. And they're actually a pretty good baseball team. And then they just piss away a lead to the Astros and get blown out of the water. They lose on errors. They lose on dudes just getting with base running mistakes. Like, how, like how they're even still in this race is insane to me. It's absolutely insane. Let me look at this Noche card. Grasso, Shevchenko, too. Yes, you get a free title fight. Uh, Cortez, Jazz Devizius, I like that fight. Kevin Holland, Jack Della Maddalena sticks out like a sore thumb on this card, uh, as does Roman Kopulov and Josh Friend. Then we got Edgar Chires, Daniel Lacerda, Zell Huber's back against Christos Gagos. I like that matchmaking a lot. Padilla and Nelson, Levy and Reyes, Raul Rosas Jr., and Terrence Mitchell, Loopy, Elise Green, Yasmin Lucindo versus Josephine uh, Knudsen, which good for Josephine, man. She was like the head scratcher on the contender series, like, we're just signing everybody, but all of a sudden, like, she's not good enough when she's been, like, she looked like maybe the most UFC-ready talent that they've signed, and they didn't sign her, but they did. And now she's going to just chuck it her to Yaz and Lucindo, which is freaking wild, man. But, yes, that card is better than 293 for sure. Uh, we got three in line here. We'll take all three of you. Uh, we'll start with Bull. What up, Bull? Bull, you're there. All right, not connecting. Uh, let's go with Chase. Chase, do we have you? Hey, hey, hold on a second. All right, go ahead, Chase. Hey, like, uh, first time, long time. With uh, the Volkov Tatuavasa fight, I think Volkov's going to win that one. With the heavyweights on this weekend, where, where does that put Volkov in the in the lineup? He's only lost to like the top dudes, but I don't know where, where does a win get in. Thanks, Mike. Have a good one. Thanks, man. Where does it get him? Uh... Good question. Let me see. Problem is like Volks Volkov's like fought everybody. Just fought Romanov, Rosenstrike, Aspinall, Tybora, Gon, Overeem, Walt Harris, Curtis Blades, Greg Hardy, Derek Lewis, Verdum, Struve, Nelson, Johnson. Dude has fought everybody. I would say maybe the loser. Maybe you fight Sergey Spivak either way. Sergey Spivak's not a bad one. Um, yeah, it's kind of it. Jetson Almeida loses to Curtis Blades. Maybe that. Yeah, it's just not a lot of movement for him. So I'll say probably like Sergey Spivak either way. Win or lose. We do Volkov versus Sergey Spivak. 
Someone says you're not sold on Aspinall. Are you nuts? Um, listen, I'm not saying I'm. I believe in his talent. I believe in his talent. He's really good. And when I say I'm not sold on him, it doesn't mean like I'm not sold on him as a talent. It means I don't know. Like I can't go all in on him just yet. He's got like he's beat good guys. But let's let's look at Aspinall's run, and Aspinall's done what he's supposed to do, right? Let's look at Tommy Aspinall's run since getting to the UFC. Jake Collier, Alan Boudou, Andre Arlovsky, Spivak. Good win. The Volkoff was real good. The Curtis Blade. That's like the one that hurts the most is the Curtis Blades fight. Because we just couldn't. We never. Like that was the one. That was the one. Where I was going to learn everything I needed to know. He goes out there and just wrecks Curtis Blades. Like I'm in. This dude is going to be the champ. Like convinced. He's going to be. He's going to win a title. Convinced. There is. Very few guys who are going to beat him, and it's going to take the perfect day at the perfect time. The Marching Tybora win was great, but I didn't learn anything. I learned nothing new. He's got, I got to see him just beat a top guy. And when he got his chance, it's unfortunate. We, did, we just didn't get to see that fight play out. It was just the knee, he hurt his knee and all that, and it was nasty, and... It just sucked on multiple levels. I'm sold on him as a talent. I'm not sold on him just yet that like this, because there are people saying like, this guy could be the greatest heavyweight of all time. Maybe, but I just, I'm not ready to take that plunge just yet. Like I'm super high on Jelton Almeida. And I like, I like, I'm not a hundred percent. I got my high on him. But I'm not like, this dude is about to change the world. He beats Curtis Blades, yes. Then we have, like, beating Jarzinho is great, but we knew how that fight was going to play out. We knew how Tom Aspinall marching Tybor was going to play out. We knew it. All of us knew it. I didn't see one person on the planet, even marching Tybor's, like, cousins weren't picking him to win that fight. I mean, I don't know that for sure, but that would be my guess. Everyone knew how that fight was going to go. If it got out of the first round, and if Aspinall didn't finish him in the first round, and it got to round two, like that would have been shocking to most people. Now you go in there. If Cyril Gon wins on Saturday, you get in the octagon, you set up a fight, you go out there and you ice Cyril. Okay, let's go. You beat a former champion, interim champion. I'm in. You got me. We'll get to Daniel in a second. Um, back to the comments. Dan, some respectful pushback. I know the Contender Series has been signing a lot of fighters. However, this season seems to be a collection of killers. They all deserve to be in the league. Maybe it's at an unethical way to get challenge for cheap, but the level is so high this year. All right, let's, let's take a gander at this, shall we? Let's take a gander at who has gotten contracts this year. And I will say, it is nice to see that 
Dana's tightening up a, t- a touch. It's nice to see that he's tightening up a touch because we've gone through some of the earlier seasons and some of the performances that would have definitely gotten contracts in the modern era of DWCS that didn't. Uh, okay, Kevin Borjas, Victor Diaz. I like Kevin. I like Kevin. He's a good fighter. Was that a, holy shit, we have to have this guy performance? No, I didn't think so. Peyton Talbot, I like him. Good showing. I like Reyes Cortez as well. He's got more of the five-tool style. He's fun to watch. Understood him getting a contract. Tom Nolan absolutely deserved one. He was sensational. He is a fucking problem. So he deserved one. I liked what I saw from Cesar Almeida. He's at that age. You kind of have to give him a shot. But Kyle Machado, man, like that he he should not have gotten a contract. Come on. Should not have gotten a contract. If he fought on week four, he ain't get one. He ain't get one. Week two. Grigoru, yes. Mora, yes. Hyder Emil, missed weight, by the way. I like him. I don't know if he should have gotten a contract. Asayan looked good. Uh, Al Sawadi absolutely deserved a contract. Absolutely deserved a contract. Super good fighter. Super good. Week three. Uh, Puello, yes. He beat Robbie Ring. I, I, I like Robbie Ring a lot. Uh, Elliot got a contract. Yeah. Zachary Reese, yes. Uh, Knudsen looked really good at her fight, and she didn't get one. It worked out for her, but she didn't get one, and I was like, what? What are we doing here? Oki was definitely getting a contract. Thomas, don't call me Jefferson Peterson, deserved a contract. Pradas deserved one. Um, and I think, look, I'm not like, I think, I think this past week was perfect. The three fighters who deserve contracts got contracts. For sure. The fighters, for the most part, they're showing up. But there are certain weeks where we're just like, we're going through it. And even like the modern era, we think like, oh, well, you know, most of these fighters are going to get contracts. Like, did anyone, I didn't see anyone tweeting out. And I'm not saying this to like dog Kyle Machado at all. But like how many people were like, oh, yeah, I got to sign him. I didn't see anybody. Everybody was like, no, he, not, not today, my good man. And then even he was, he got one because Dana was in a good mood, like, I love the Contender Series. Like, it was my favorite thing the UFC has done in the last six years. I loved it the first, like, two or three seasons. And if it stays like this, where Dana just is tightening up a little bit, like, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. But when we go back to the days of, like, oh, all you got to do is, like, win a fight and you get a contract. Like, what's the point of the show? Just sign them outright. Like, what are we doing here? So I agree with you. Like the talent has risen, has gotten better as a whole, but I still wish the show had like 
there's thresholds to cross. It's not just about what Dana's mood is on the day. Like, did Dana go to the casino and win $500,000? If so, you're probably all getting contracts. But if he takes a beating at the craps table or black the blackjack deal, whoop that ass, you might not get a contract, even if you look sensational. Like, it shouldn't be like that. Uh, Daniel, what's up? Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yeah, I perfect, got you. Perfect, perfect. Well, heck of a morning, man. Happy Friday. Um, yeah, to kind of bounce off the contender series, I pretty much agree with pretty much everything you're saying there. Um, last week did have uh, a couple good winners there. Um, I did just want to also mention, too, just because I remembered, yesterday was actually the first time I caught uh, BTL Live. I'm always on here in the mornings just because uh, I'm on the West Coast driving to work here, so these early morning spaces work out. But uh, got a chance to watch BTL yesterday and thought it was pretty good. Thought my boy Jose should have got the win, though. So I will definitely be tuning in next time, but had to throw in my opinion there. Um, other than that, I really just had one thing to throw out just for this Izzy Strickland fight. Not, I guess, for this fight, but just more Izzy. Um, how do you think Izzy's reign is going to end at 185? You think someone's just going to take the belt? You think it's a Hamzat? Do you think, you know, does he go up or something? I mean, just curious how you think this kind of all, all ends for him at some point. Thanks, Mike. Hmm. It's a good question. It's a good question. I don't know. It would be, I mean, to Jed's point, it would be, this would be like the most hilarious year in UFC history. If Sean Strickland somehow went out there and just beat Israel Adesanya and won the title, like what a fucking world. What a crazy world this would be, right? That Sean Strickland, the, the guy that the UFC like didn't even want in this fight, just shows up and wins the title. Like That would be absolutely insane. And it would be kind of funny. It would be kind of funny. I know, like, I know a lot of people feel a certain way about Sean Strickland. And do I agree with a lot of the shit he says? Of course I don't. But like... I ain't here to dog on the guy. Like, the dude is a fighter. Uh, it takes a kind of a crazy individual to do what this man does. And I don't think there's, like, a fake thing about him. Like, some people think it's, like, a character. I don't. Like, I've heard people, like, compare him to Colby. And, like, no, Colby is a character. Like, this is this dude. Like, this is who this guy is. Uh, and I can tell you from, like, people that I've talked to, uh, Sean is that way all the time, even in the gym, even when the cameras aren't on. And anyone who has, like, trained with him only raves about how great of a teammate he is. Like, he's... Like what's I'm trying to figure out like he's he's not like the captain of the team, but he's like the he's like the enforcer of the team. I remember um, Eric Nixon was telling me a story about Max Roshkoff, and Max Roshkoff is infamously known for his fight with Austin Hubbard in the UFC. Gets signed early, has a great record on the regional scene, grappler. Enthusiast, like super good grappler. 
And the way like it was, it, it looked in people's eyes like he was just going to get fed. Like Austin Hubbard is just going to get fed to this young kid. And Max had him in some tough spots. Austin got him tired and started putting the boots to him. And then Max was just like, I'm done heading into the third round. And like Max took such a beating for that, like so badly. And I remember I got like the first interview with him afterwards and like it went crazy. Um, like it was on the, the ESPN bottom ticker, like some of the things he said. And it was just like, I don't know if I'm ever going to do this again. And then Eric like convinced him to come back to the gym and Eric basically told him, like, dude, come back. Like, I really want you to come back. But, like, you're going to have to deal with Sean Strickland, man. Like, you're going to have to deal with this guy. And he goes, just, just, just go in and deal with it. And as soon as he walked into the gym, Eric told me that Sean just ripped him a new asshole. Like, just called him every name under the sun. Basically did everything he could to get Max to quit. Uh, would spar with Max. Was like, no, 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 I'm sparring with him. And would just beat him up. And just make him pay for what happened that day. And then Max started fighting back. And eventually, he got Sean's respect. And to people at Extreme Couture, like, you get that guy's respect. That's almost like, it's almost like being one of the coach's favorite fighters. Like, it's, there's just something, something about him that draws people who train with him to him. It's wild to, to hear these stories about Sean. It would just be, I mean, it would just be insane. Wouldn't it? Like I I'm like, I'm thinking about it. Like I, Jed is almost ready to like pull the trigger on it, which would just be crazy. But like, I am thinking about just how wacky this sport can be. And just thinking about what this watch party will be like. If Sean Strickland beats Israel Adesanya, it would just be insane. It would just be insane. Wow. I'm like, I'm just, it would just be nuts. Can you imagine the post fight interview with Sean Strickland if he beats Israel Adesanya and wins the title? Oh my God. Oh my God. It's insane. It's crazy. Crazy to think about. But I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not counting them out. Like, I'm not counting anybody out. And I, I think I've learned some lessons along the way. Um, Sean, if Sean can get this real ugly and filthy and just get in Izzy's face and don't give him any space to breathe, he's got a shot. I don't think he's going to win, but he's got a shot. He's got a shot. And he can put on that pace. He can go like that for 25 minutes. But he has to turn that volume and that stalker ability of his where he just can walk you down and get in your face. He needs to turn that up to a thousand. And if he could do that, boy, but I don't know if he will. Uh, the DDP fight is interesting, but I think the safe answer is Hamzat. If Hamzat could beat Paulo Costa, I think Hamzad is just a – it's a real tough fight for Izzy. I'm real interested in that fight. But I can't get too excited about it because, like, you just don't know what Hamzad's deal is. Like, I I feel like this fight's going to happen with Costa. But then what? 
You know what I mean? Like, are we going to be able to turn Hamzat around in like five months to fight for the belt? If they go that fight over DDP, like, are, do we have that that faith? I don't know. I'm not really sure. Yeah. But it'd probably be Hamzad. I do feel like Izzy's time at two at one eighty five is limited. I think he's eventually gonna make the move up. He'll fight Strickland. I think the DDP fight will happen next. If it doesn't, we're making a gigantic mistake. Uh, and then maybe he fights Hamzat potentially. And if he beats Hamzat, then he's I, I would say he's gone from 185 because like what else is there for him to do? Let's go tackle a new thing. Especially if like Yuri wins the belt. Jesus Christ. Israel Adesanya versus Yuri Prohashka. Good lord. I'm real interested to see what 205 is gonna look like a year from now. Because we're gonna get Yuri and Alex. We could get Izzy Alex at 205. So that's like like if Alex wins the belt, like I feel like Izzy could just pop right up and fight Alex. We do have Jamal Hill coming back at some point, and that's going to be interesting. I know Jamal's mad at us because we have him ranked fourth in our rankings, but I do, like, no matter how Jamal feels about us and the rankings panel or whatever, um, there is no fighter I want to see back in there more than Jamal Hill. There are very few that I want to see back in there more than Jamal Hill. Because I have to see, like, I learned a lot about him in that Glover Teixeira fight, but it got, like, I need, I want to see more. Like, I was so impressed by that performance, like, so impressed by it, that I just, I just have to see him fight. I have to see him fight Yuri. I have to see if this is it. I have to see if this is, if this is the guy we're going to get for the next four or five years. He goes out there and just does that to Yuri. He's the best light heavyweight in the world with a bullet. So there's, there's just a lot to look forward to, guys. Like, we just got to get through these next couple of weeks. We got to get through this week. We got to get through next week. That pay-per-view. Noche UFC is pretty solid. We just got to get through, like, the next, like, five or six weeks. Like, once we get, once we get to 294, like, we're cooking with gas, baby. Even the twenty, like even the twenty third card, we got Fazeev and Gamrot in the main event. Bryce Mitchell, Danny Gay, Danny Gay apparently is about to have another child, so watch out, Bryce Mitchell, Marina Rodriguez, Michelle Waterson, Tim Means, Andre Fialio. Like there's Charles Jordan, Ricardo Hamos. That's crazy fight. Like Miles Johns, Daniel Argueta, Brian Battle, AJ Fletcher on that card. Like that fight's insane. That's a decent fight night card. And then we're back to the Apex October 7th. No main event for that one yet. Just yet. We got Drew Dober, Ricky Glenn, Chris Gutierrez, Montel Jackson. What? Joe Pfeiffer, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, Bill Algio, Alexander Hernandez. Like, that's, that's fun. What's the 14th look like? Sadiq Youssef, Edson Barboza, Jonathan Martinez, Adrian Yanez, Jennifer Maya, Viviani Arujo. Michelle Pereira, Mark Andre Barrio, Christian Rodriguez, Cameron Simon, 
no main events for those, but like D- Darren Elkins, CJ Brown, and then it's two ninety four, baby. Then it's two ninety four. That card is gonna be sick. And then we get a week off, and then it's Blades Almeida. Then it's Jones Miocic. We do have to take a trip back to the Apex for Brandon Allen, Paul Craig. And then looks like we're going to be in Minneapolis December 2nd from everything I'm hearing. December 9th, maybe in Atlantic City. And then December 16th, the last pay-per-view. So we just got to stay patient. We got to stay patient. We got to stay, stay up, stay positive. Uh, and I think good things are coming. I think good things are coming. But, all right. We're done, everybody. Thank you very much. You are all the best. Uh, there's going to be a UFC Paris preview show coming up at the top of the hour uh, with my best friend, AK Lee, at the helm. Uh, I'm off the rest of the day. Uh, Jose Youngs, I believe, will join him along with EKC. Noon Eastern tomorrow, People's Pre-Fight Show. Me and Casey taking your questions until the first punches are thrown in Paris. We'll have a post-fight show. AK and I will be back on Sunday for on to the next one. And then it's uh, on to UFC 293. We will have boots on the ground. In Sydney, Jose Young's the world traveler will be there. There'll be media days and press conferences. And open. There's even open workouts with this one. Uh, how about that? So we're going to get a Sean Strickland, Israel Adesanya press conference uh, coming up as well. So that should be super fun. So stick with us, MMAfighting.com. We'll be back here in the space on Tuesday. We will do it again. But until then, everybody, have a great rest of your Friday. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the fights. And as always, have a heck of a morning. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.